Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Barra, and joining me again are Tyler and Brian. Hello. Hello. Today we're going to talk about a road. A road? A very historical road. An old road. It is an old road. There's been movies made off of this road. And songs. Cars. Route 66, or Route 66. Let the argument begin. Is it a route or a route? Route sounds like it. I feel like it depends on the number because with 66, root sounds better. A root is a part of a tree, though. Ah, but like with 45, like route 45 sounds better than route 45, but route 66 sounds better than route 66. I'm on this team. Yeah, I think it just depends on the number. You're all wrong. It's it's route. All right. So it's root. Well, it, it depends. Talks amongst yourselves. Is it root or route? Yeah. Go um, go have a debate over this. Yes. Tell all of your friends to listen to this episode to have the debate over it. Root or route? Okay. So anyway, in 1857, Edward Fitzgerald Beale, who was a naval officer working for the U.S. Army Corps of Topographical Engineers, not quite sure how he got that gig being the Navy, uh, was ordered to build a wagon road along the 35th parallel. Wait, was it the Marine Corps? Or... No. No? It was just in the Navy. Oh, no. I mean, like, what was the what was the thing that he worked for? U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Oh, Army. I thought you said yeah. Marine Corps. Yeah. Okay. No. Not, not, still not sure. If it was the Marines. Why a naval sense. officer is building a road. Maybe it will go near the ocean. Was there a shortage of engineers? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. Well, anyway, his secondary orders were to test the feasibility of the use of camels as pack animals. These would become known as Jefferson's camels. Because this was the brainchild of Jefferson Davis. He thought that camels could be used in the American Southwest because they liked hot weather. But not being indigenous, they all died. Didn't they like bring over like a few of them and like actually like just leave them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were wandering around the Southwest for a while and then they all. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this road became part of US 66, part of the original Route 66 prior to its official naming and commissioning can still be seen north of the Cajon Pass, which is in Southern California. Have you ever been there being a Southern Californian? Uh, I don't know. Oh. I, I, I like actually don't know. <laughs> so the paved road became a dirt road south of Cajun, which would also be the original Route 66. Before a nationwide network of numbered highways was adopted by the states, auto trails were marked by private organizations. Some weird thing about that. Our roads were basically all privatized. I guess that's why you get turnpikes tow roads and things like that. Uh, The route that became known as US-66 was actually covered by three different highways. You had the Lone Star route that went from Chicago to Cameron, Louisiana, making a pass through St. Louis. Let's go. Isn't like, would St. Louis like be... Wouldn't that be like out of the way trying to get to Louisiana? No, no, not, not really. No. Nice. All right, follow the Mississippi. All right, it's got to cross it a couple. Of... Yeah, yeah, it's on the right side of the Mississippi. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm west. just, I'm just picturing. Uh, I don't really know my Midwestern geography. It's on the west so. side of Mississippi. 
I'm just picturing National Lampoon's vacation, the original, when they stopped in St. Louis and the tires get stolen off their car. <laughs> but that was before. Anyway, you got the Ozark Trail system, which went from St. Louis to New Mexico, and then the National Old Trails Road that went the rest of the route to L.A. All right. So in 1916, legislation first appeared for a public highway system. It was finally enacted in 1925. Uh, the idea of a national road from Chicago to L.A. was started by two men, Cyrus Avery and John Woodruff. They wanted to connect urban and rural areas together. All right. The route would get the numerical designation 66 in 1926. It is considered one of America's original highways, even though it was not fully paved until 1938. If I had to guess, it was part of the New Deal and those public work projects where FDR was trying to create jobs. Yeah. I feel it like an unpaved highway. Just imagine going like 70 on a dirt road. I feel like that wouldn't be that good for a car. Mm-hmm. And back then, I feel like cars could be able to. Probably not. Uh, they yeah, they go they? 70. Yeah. Really? Yeah, they're, they could go pretty fast. Oh. With well, their little, little well, at 38, they're, 38, they're somewhat modern. So it's not like the Model T anymore. I was thinking like still 1926. Nah. Um, after the new federal highway system was officially created, Cyrus Avery called for the establishment of the U.S. Highway 66 Association to promote the complete paving of the highway from end to end and promote travel down the highway. In 1927, in Tulsa, the association was officially established with John T. Woodruff of Springfield, Missouri, elected the first president. Uh, In order to increase publicity for the road, they had what was called the Bunyan Derby, which was a foot race from Los Angeles to New York City. And of which the path from Los Angeles to Chicago would be on US 66. Forrest Gump would be the winner. Nice. Not really. Oh. Never seen Forrest Gump. Not really. Joke just went right over your head then. I. Forrest Gump ran coast to coast. I know. I know about that. The actual winner's name was Andy Payne. His feet were in lots of pain, I bet. He probably had bunions. How long did it take him? 573 hours. Let me get out my phone calculator real quick. 84 days. I really Okay, thank you. 84 days. Four minutes, 34 seconds. That's actually impressive. He won it. Coast to coast. 84 84 days days. running, yeah. Wow, that's just just dope. Just over three months. All right. So traffic would grow that's on. That's like how many? Wait, sorry. How many like miles per day is that? Is New, that like, how far New York City to LA? That's like two thousand. Two thousand five hundred or something like that. That's, that's a lot of miles a day. Yeah. He's like, booking it. All right. Traffic grew on the highway because of the geography through which it passed. Much of the highway was essentially flat, and this made the highway a popular truck route. The Dust Bowl of nineteen thirty saw many. Farming families, mainly from Oklahoma, Arkansas, Kansas, and Texas, heading west for agricultural jobs, so they will use Route 66. US 66 became the main road of travel for these people, um, and they would be called Okies or Arkies. Because they're from Oklahoma or Arkansas? Correct. Because of horrible agricultural practices, they destroyed their farms. Mm. That's, should have listened to George Washington Carver. Dust. And also a myriad of other things. Like it was like a perfect storm or just yeah. bad. Also, you shouldn't be farming in Oklahoma anyway. 
Because it's mainly just desert. Yeah, it's dry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, During the Depression, it gave some relief to communities located on the highway. The route passed through numerous small towns. And with the growing traffic on the highway, helped create the rise of mom-and-pop businesses, such as service stations, restaurants, motor courts, and readily accessible to passing motorists. Um, During its heyday, these towns could see anywhere between 9,000 and 15,000 cars passing by. So that is a big market yeah. that's coming through. Uh, much of the early highway, like all the other early highways, was gravel or graded dirt. Due to the efforts of the U.S. Highway 66 Association, U.S. 66 became the first highway to be completely paved, as we said, in 1938. Several places, though, were extremely dangerous. More than one part of the highway was nicknamed Bloody 66. And gradually, work was done to realign these segments to remove dangerous curves. I guess people were just flying off roads. I'm guessing in 1938, they didn't have uh, guardrails. Probably not. If you watch early NASCAR, the tracks didn't have guardrails. Yeah. And cars just go flying off the banking. Like, yeah, it's insane. Uh, However, one section through the Black Mountains outside of Oatman, Arizona, was fraught with hairpin turns and was the steepest along the entire route. So much so that some early travelers, too frightened at the prospect of driving this road, had to hire locals navigate it. So it was creating jobs. Because people don't know how to drive. (laughs) Yes. People didn't know how to drive. They were afraid of it. So they hired locals that they thought could do it for them. Uh, The section remained as U.S. 66 until 1953, and is still open to traffic today as the Oatman Highway. Despite such hazards in some areas, U.S. 66 continued to be a popular route. During World War II, more migration west occurred because of war-related industries in California. U.S. 66, already popular and fully paved, became one of the main routes for those migrants. Also, it served as an important artery for moving military equipment from the interior to the west coast. Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri was located near the highway, which was locally upgraded quickly to a divided highway to help with military traffic. So prior to this, it was literally just a two-lane road passing. So this is when they actually divide it. So they got two lanes going one direction, two lanes going. Yeah, probably a lot safer. Yes, have a little barrier there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, When Richard Feynman was working on the Manhattan Project at Los Alamos. Alamos. That's my favorite theoretical physicist. I love Richard Feynman. Who? Richard Feynman? I don't know who that is. Well, you just mentioned him. I still don't know who he is. Oh. Tell me about him. So um, he's, um, he, as you said, worked on the Manhattan Project, but he wrote this book about his life where it's like he doesn't even talk about the science stuff he did. He just talks about like all the funny stuff that happened in his life. And it's amazing. It's Why haven't you written a podcast on this man? Um, because there's way too much information about him. It, it would be like a 10-parter, I think. Oh, <laughs> challenge met. I don't think would people don't want to listen to 10 episodes on uh, Richard, Richard Feynman. Feynman. Get, get your, it was know. like a 500-page book. So whole year next year, just the year of Richard. <laughs> well, well, he traveled on US 66 a lot, going from Los Alamos to Al- Albuquerque. Do you know why? Why? Because his wife was dying of consumption. Consumption. Dur, this is dur, like... dur. 
That's why we need the sound effect thing working. Yeah. So every time <laughs> every we talk time about consumption. Consumption, mm-hmm. just press a button. Mm-hmm. Rather than me making an yeah. annoying noise, yeah. Uh, but anyway, in the 1950s, US 66 became the main highway for vacationers headed to LA. The many towns along the route became major tourist attractions in their own right. And we'll talk about some of those things. Uh, the beginning of the decline, though, for US 66 came in 1956 with the signing of the Interstate Highway Act by Dwight D. Eisenhower who basically, while he was in Germany during World War II, fell in love with the Autobahn and wanted something similar in the United States. Basically, long, straight roads that got from point A to point B as fast as possible. Why didn't anyone think of this sooner? Like, you know, it was like, it's been like however many years since the... 30? I mean, since the, like, invention of the automobile. Oh, mainstream, probably like 40? Yeah, like... I mean, I feel like it should have happened before. Well, I think they were they were normally going with the contour of land, mm. but now we're just blow up stuff, make straight lines. Yeah. Does the auto bomb have a did it have a speed limit back in the day? Um, that is a misconception. Most of the autobahn has a speed limit. There's only like certain segments, segments of it that yeah. don't have a speed limit. Uh, during its ne- nearly 60-year existence, U.S. 66 was under constant change. As highway engineering became more sophisticated, engineers constantly sought more direct routes. Like I said, now we knew how to blow holes in mountains and hills and grade stuff. That's one of the really cool things. That's when I nerd out. It was when like you drive through like the mountains and stuff, and you see like the big like cliffs on both sides. And if you look at the cliffs, you can see where they actually stuck the dynamite in there. To you'll see like ridges. Like little like mm-hmm. ribs almost. That's where they actually stuck the dynamite in them. Have you ever went through the mountains? Uh, yes. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have. So in, uh, increased traffic led to a number of major minor realignments of US 66 throughout the years, particularly after World War II. Route 66, though, was soon being bypassed by the interstate highway system. In 1985, it becomes decommissioned. So that means it's not supported by the federal government anymore. Uh, When the highway was decommissioned, sections of the road were disposed of in various ways. Uh, Within many cities, the route became a business loop for the interstate. Some sections became state roads, local roads, or even private drives. Man. Guys like, hey, it's my driveway. That's kind of sad. Yeah. Some of it was just completely abandoned. Although it was no longer possible to drive US 66 uninterrupted all the way from Chicago to LA, much of the original route um, and alternate alignments are still drivable with careful planning. So you just got to plan it out on a map. Um, Some stretches are quite well preserved, including those between Springfield, Missouri, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yep, I've actually driven that. Have you? Yeah. Is there anything in between? Not really. Okay. It's, It's just a nice road. Some sections of US 66 still retain their historic nine foot wide sidewalk highway form, never having been resurfaced to make them into full width highways. That's crazy. It was it was resurfaced, the one between Springfield and Oh, that one was? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. These old sections have a single paved lane, concrete curbs to mark the edge of the lane and gravel sh- shoulders for passing. That sounds extremely dangerous. Yeah. Passing someone on gravel. Neither here there. Like no. just drive going seventy on gravel. Yeah. And then the, the transition onto the gravel. Yeah. Doesn't sound yeah. yeah. I feel like that would lead to a lot of crashes. Uh soon route sixty six associations are being founded. 
in order to preserve the existing segments of it. There have been preservation movements for many of the attractions that were on the road. In 1999, Bill Clinton would sign the National Route 66 Preservation Bill that would provide $10 million in matching fund grants for the preservation and restoration of historical features on the route. It became the basis for the movie Cars. Yeah. The whole movie is based off this route. I, and what happens when it gets bypassed? Yep. Radiator Springs dies. Yep. Yep. Except Cars is such a good movie. Like, probably one of the best animated movies of all time. Not Planes? No. Planes, planes <laughs> was not good. Yeah. My question is when they make these real life versions, how are they going to do cars? Oh, live action. Live have action. you never seen Herbie or The Love Bug? I don't think so. Oh, Herbie was a Volkswagen that was alive. And they made multiple movies. First, it was called The Love Bug. Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Herbie Goes Bananas. <laughs> there's a th- I think there's a fourth one. Uh, I, loved, I love the Herbie movies. And he beeps at people. And he, he talks with his hood. Anyway, uh, Route 66 has seen somewhat of a resurgence, um, basically because of like a nostalgia factor. Yeah. So it's kind of growing back as a like a tourist, like a niche type thing. Um, so now on to some of the more famous tourist attractions on the route. All right. First is Cadillac Ranch. It's literally just a bunch of Cadillacs that have been buried to make a sculpture. All right. This, I feel like that would be cool to visit. Like... I don't know. It's in Amarillo, Texas, if you ever want to go there. All right. Yeah. I've never been to Texas. Probably. Me either. Another one is called Milk Bottle Grocery. This is in Oklahoma City. Um, a Basically, it's just a little red, red brick building with a giant milk bottle on it. Oh. Is there, like, anything inside? or? Um, now it's a Vietnamese cafe. With a milk bottle. It used to be a grocery and a milk store. But now it's a Vietnamese cafe. It's gonna have mm-hmm. strong bones. And people just like stopping there to take a picture of a giant milk bottle. And it being there. You had Ed Galloway's Totem Pole Park in Foyle, Oklahoma, which holds the record for the highest concentration of totem poles. Most of which are birds. That's fun. You got the blue whale in Catusa, Oklahoma. It's literally a blue whale. Mm. Is it like life size? Or? It's massive. It's bigger than life size, I think. Oh. Um, it's in the middle of a pond. You can have a picnic inside of it. It has a diving board that you can jump off it into the pond. And it also wears a baseball hat for some reason. Huh. <laughs> is there a team on the baseball hat? Nope. Is it just, nope. Right. It's just a baseball hat. You got the Wigwam Hotel in Holbrook, Arizona, built in 1950. It allows travelers to stay in teepees. Yes, somebody was yeah. not paying attention in history class because a wigwam is not a teepee. Yeah. But they still call it the wigwam hotel. Still open today. Huh. Yes. The teepee hotel doesn't sound as cool as the wigwam. Mm. Yeah. Which leads to the teepee curious shop in Tucumacari, New Mexico. It was once a gas station adorned with a giant teepee and neon signs. Now it just sells Route 66 memorabilia. Is the TP still there? TP is still there, so are the neon signs. Yep. You got the Gemini Giant in Wilmington, Illinois. It's a 30-foot-tall statue that was built by – they're called Muffler Man statues because I guess this one company was, like, an advertising firm and built, like, all these massive statues that you find on, like, Route 66. 
Um, it's literally a man in a space helmet holding a rocket promoting what was called the launch pad diner. Interesting. I thought when you said muffler, man, I was like, <laughs> I thought you were going to say there was this advertising company and they really needed to sell mufflers. Mm-hmm. So like, I thought it was just going to be a, like a giant dude holding a muffler in the air or something. A man made out of mufflers. Yeah. I've seen man, men made out of mufflers before. Not as exciting as you think it would be. <laughs> you have the world's largest ketchup bottle in Collinsville, Illinois. It's built in 1949. Does it have ketchup in it? It does not, but wow. it's 70 feet tall. And if it did have ketchup in it, it'd be able to hold 100,000 gallons. Well, I've also been there because it's like 20 minutes from St. Louis. You went to the world's largest ketchup bottle? Yeah, I don't have a picture of it. No evidence. You got <laughs> rail splitter covered wagon which is in Lincoln, Illinois, recognized as the largest covered wagon in the world. It's 24 feet tall and has Abe Lincoln reading a law book on it. Hmm. I have not been there. Is there like a reason Abe Lincoln is on it? Because it's in Lincoln, Illinois. Oh, okay. Why isn't it Lincoln, Illinois? Probably somewhere in the south. I'm guessing. Somewhere between Chicago and St. Louis. I'm going off the the route. It goes from Chicago, St. Louis, Oklahoma City, somewhere. I I used to live in Illinois, so I'm surprised. That you never saw the world's largest covered wagon? Nope. Uh, The last one is actually a person. He's called the guardian angel of Route 66 because he has done so much work trying to preserve it. Um, His name is Angel Delgadillo. He's actually a barber and a business owner in Seligman, Arizona. He's 96 years old and still cuts hair. And there's a guy on YouTube that went to his barber shop, and he tells a whole history of Route 66. Is that what you were watching? That's what I was watching yesterday, yeah. All right, like recently? I think the guy's name is Haircut Harry, (laughs) and he goes and gets haircuts all over the world. But that was recent, yeah. yeah. So anyway, go down Route 66. Until you hit the gravel parts. Until you hit the gravel parts, yeah. Make yeah. a make a summer vacay out of it. Go stay in a teepee in a wigwam hotel. Even though they're not the same. Even thing. though they're not the same. Go see the ketchup bottle. Go see the ketchup bottle. I want to see the ketchup bottle. It's actually kind of cool. And the Cadillacs. The Cadillac Ranch? Yeah. What about the, the Gemini Man? Uh, I'm not sure. There's other things. I think there's like the world's largest rocking chair. There's, there's all sorts of weird... Doesn't it go near Vegas? Somewhere over there? There's there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, around there. Anyway, that's the history of Route 66. Or Route 66. Route. Route. Route Route 66 is Route. But for other stuff, it would be Route. It depends on the number. It's not one or the other. You can't just can't can't change the the laws of English because you feel, because of your feelings. English is all (laughs) English is already breaking the laws of every other. That language. is true. English is a uh, yeah. mutt language that is just bad. Did we do one on William the Conqueror? We did not. No? We okay. should. I was about to say, if you want to learn more about that, listen to our William the Conqueror episode. Can't, because we, we never did one on William the Conqueror. We should do one. We should do one on William the All Conqueror. Right. So in the future, listen to our episode on yeah. William the Conqueror, which may come down the line sometime. Sometime next year. Yes. After our 10 episodes of 
guy. Would Richard got. Feynman. After Richard Feynman. Our whole season of Richard Feynman. <laughs> 52 episodes on it. On that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.